Welcome to Bravery Trek Run Ashore, a podcast for Bravery Trust in partnership with Content Group. Welcome to another episode of Run Ashore, the podcast that follows this year's route for the Bravery Trust fundraiser, Bravery Trek. I'm Mark Cooper, and thank you for joining me. With the first week of the trek underway, we are kickstarting our journey to better understand 12 locations significant to the Royal Australian Navy around Sydney Harbour. Today, we are once again joined by Commander Mick Miller, who will help us to better understand the history and significance of HMAS Waterhen. Mick, thank you for joining me. Uh, Mark, absolutely my pleasure to join you today. A pleasure. So Mick, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Uh, sure. I joined the Navy uh, back in 1987. Uh, I did a, a first stint in the Navy about 20 years, which time I served at a number of ships and uh, went on a number of deployments, including to the Middle East, uh, to East Timor, uh, in and around the Solomon Islands, as well as the Pacific Nations and deployments through Asia. I had a brief break in service uh, for about three or four years, during which time I, I relocated to Canberra, my wife and I, we had uh, our children, and I worked as a management consultant. After a few years, I uh, rejoined the Navy, uh, rediscovered my love for being back at sea, and uh, spent some time in patrol boats working uh, on our borders. And then I also, uh, ashore, served in a number of staff positions, which included um, a deployment to Bahrain, in the Middle East, but I'm now currently in command of HMAS Waterhen, which I'd have to say is probably the best job I've done in the Navy. Oh, thank you. That sounds fantastic, Mick. And look, thank you for everything that you do for the Australian people. I think that anybody who puts on a defence uniform uh, or any frontline worker, uh, you know, we all have a deep uh, respect for you. Oh, thank you, Mark. So Mick, in terms of HMAS Waterhen, can you tell us a little bit about where it's located in Sydney Harbour and how many people are serving at the base? Uh, so Mark, the great thing about being in the Navy is generally your workplace will be close to the water and Waterhen's no different. So we're located in the leafy lower north shore suburb of Waverton. Uh, we're only a small base geographically, uh, but on any given day, it, we could have between five and 600 people on this base. Uh, that's a mixture of uh, people in uniform like myself, uh, public servants, but also contractors who come in who are helping to maintain any of our facilities or our capabilities down here. Uh, we have six operational units here, four ships and a clearance diving team and a mine warfare team. And our focus is really about helping them deliver on their capability. Yes, it's certainly a beautiful part of Sydney. Uh, as a young boy, I grew up in Taramara on the North Shore and have a, a deep love for um, for where you are. It's certainly a lovely place to work. Uh, there, yeah, that's right. I count my lucky stars every day when I come into work and it's uh, certainly beautiful surrounds and I get to look out on the harbour every day. It's fantastic. Lovely. So, Mick, can you tell us a bit about the history of the base? Starting right back at the beginning, this, this land was originally granted to Edward Wollstonecraft. Uh, whose name is in the next suburb, and he transferred it to his uh, business partner, Alexander Berry, in around 1832. So it had a number of uses before it was taken over by defence. And I think probably one of the more significant ones that people might not be aware of, that it was on this site that there was a quarry 
that took uh, the stone that formed the land bridge between uh, Potts Point and what is now Garden Island, which was a, an island at the time, but the stone used to build uh, the Captain Cook dockyard, which forms the link between those two bits of land, actually came from this site. Uh, during World War II, it really was taken over by defence and served as a, a boom defence depot, so where they stored the submarine, anti-submarine booms, um, the metal nets that would keep the enemy submarines from entering the harbour. Uh, once the war was over, it became more of a storage depot. Uh, in December 1962, the base commissioned as the parent establishment for Australia's Mine Warfare and uh, Mine Countermeasures Forces, which included a clearance diving team and a variety of support craft. Over the years, as well as the dive team, the base has supported ton-class minesweepers, attack and Fremantle-class patrol boats, bay-class inshore mine hunters, and currently we have four mine hunter coastal ships. Uh, in the early 90s, the base itself underwent an extensive redevelopment modernisation program. So uh, it occupies essentially two sites in Waverton. There's an upper site, which is on Bay Road, and at a, a lower site, which is on the waterfront. And in the 90s, they uh, built up three buildings on the waterfront site, and these hold most of the administration or the uh, support facilities for the operational units. It also houses wareha uh, warehouses and workshops for other support elements. Uh, and the upper area has been converted into essentially a, a staff car park as well as a storage facility. Um, we have two main wharves, one of which is capable to be demagnetised in support of uh, the mine hunters because when they go into a, a mine danger area, uh, a lot of mines are set up by magnetic signatures, are set off by magnetic signatures, so it's in the interest of everybody's safety that we have as low magnetic signature as possible. So one of the wharves can be set up to support that. We also have a number of small craft jetties and a fuel installation at the base. And those ships that you're talking about, Mick, have they been in service for a long time? So we introduced the Mine Hunter Coastals into service in around about the mid-90s, about the same time as the base was being redeveloped. Uh, so they have been around quite a while and we're st now starting to look at, at how we replace that capability with, with all the advances and technology that have happened over the last 20-odd years. How do we best replace that technology and ensure that Australia is positioned in the mine countermeasure space into the future? Yes, it's fantastic to see what's happening across defence industry at the moment, and particularly in the Royal Australian Navy with the continuous shipbuilding capability. I imagine it would be a fascinating time to be involved in working in the Navy. Oh, it certainly is. Uh, and the big thing here at Waterhen, uh, mine warfare is going down the pathway of robotics and autonomous systems, so keeping the people out of the minefield. Uh, and it's an exciting uh, technology world to be in as we watch the ability of these systems to go out and do the jobs that used to be performed by a mine hunter. Uh, and keeping our people safe, but still being able to execute the mission. It's an exciting yes. time to be part of the Navy, and an exciting time to be helping this new generation of sailors and officers develop their skills in these new technologies to position their, themselves for their career into the future. Absolutely. Is there anything else you can share with us, Mick, in terms of what happens on the base or who the base supports? I think what happens on the base is probably a lot more happens here than people would actually expect. 
you know, it's the home of the Navy's mine, where, mine warfare and clearance diving capability. So on any given day, we'll have ships coming and going. At the moment of the four mine hunters, two of them are out at sea doing training activities. Uh, we've got a clearance diving team of about 60 odd people. Uh, they are undergoing a training period as well at the moment. So they're busy doing their activities. Uh, and as I mentioned, we're moving to that uh, robotics and autonomous systems uh, area. So we've got what we call the, uh, the MDREU, which is focused on helping us understand and bring into service that capability. So they're busy conducting operational evaluation activities of various systems. Um, there are maintenance activities because we have a, a fleet support unit here working on the ships. We also have uh, an important part of this space is also the amphibious watercraft squadron. That is not directly linked to, to mine warfare or mine countermeasures. What they are are the uh, smaller landing craft that embark in our uh, LHDs, our landing helicopter docks, and enable those ships to deliver capabilities. So for example, when they went to Tonga earlier in the year to provide assistance um, following the natural disaster there, those smaller landing craft were used to ferry people ashore and stores and humanitarian supplies. So the training centre for those is here at Waterhen as well. Uh, we also have the mine warfare faculty. So we are training that next generation of sailors and officers uh, in the skills that they will need in order to uh, continue to deliver on Australia's mine warfare capability. Uh, and of course, there's all that back office stuff that, that needs to be there to support all of that, that, that forward facing units. And uh, that's kind of where I come in, where the team that I lead we do a lot of the administration and support. We provide, we have a chaplain on the base who provides pastoral care. We have a gymnasium. We have a small medical centre to provide medical support. So there's a lot of that back office type things, which also needs to happen here. And of course, we, we have a little canteen which sells uh, coffee, probably the most important part of the base uh, around 10 o'clock <laughs> each morning. Uh, and also messes which provide uh, um, meal services for all the people here as well. Yes, that's a lovely point you just touched on there, Mick. A lot of people tend to think of the Navy just in terms of the military and defence sense. But of course, an enormous amount of work done by the Navy is supporting the Australian public with natural disasters and bushfire relief and floods and so on. Yeah, that's right. I mean, and this is uh, part of our role here when we are here to, to do what the government asks us to do. And it's always a uh, an important part of our role is to help the Australian people through natural disasters. And I think bringing our capabilities and our skills into where they're needed the most. Yes, absolutely. Are there any other interesting facts that you'd like to share with us about the base, Mick? Uh, well, I think um, it would be remiss of me not to touch on, I guess, the history of the name uh, of Waterhen. Uh, so the original Waterhen uh, was one of the V-class destroyers, which was Waterhen, Vampire, Vendetta and Voyager, which were built by the Royal Navy but transferred across to the Australian Navy prior to World War II. The, these, these destroyers formed what we call the Australian Destroyer Flotilla. And uh, I think the thing that I like to bring out about this is uh, a lot of people might know about the Scrap Iron Flotilla in the Mediterranean. Uh, it was named by the, the Nazis because it was a ragtag crew of ships but what they did was they provided the lifeline through to Tobruk, to the rats of Tobruk. And so Waterhen formed part of that squadron, which allowed the rats of Tobruk to survive um, their ordeal. 
until the siege was, was ultimately broken. And in June 1941, she was conducting what was called the Tobruk Ferry Service. Uh, on her final run, she was attacked by enemy dive bombers and she was holed and immobilised. Unbelievably, there were no casualties, but she was taken under tow by another ship, but it became apparent she couldn't be saved. And so on the 30th of June 1941, uh, the, the water chook, as she was affectionately known, she sank. And she became the first Royal Australian Navy ship to be sunk by enemy action in World War II. And I just think it's important to acknowledge the sacrifices of those that have gone before our, those of us that are serving now and on whose shoulders we stand today, and to acknowledge Waterhen's uh, place in the history of our Navy. <laughs> That's a fascinating story. Thanks for sharing that. No, that was my pleasure. Fantastic. So to our listeners who are either walking around or running around Sydney Harbour and through the beautiful leafy suburbs, I hope that you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. Or if you are somewhere else in Australia or around the world, uh, I hope that you have also enjoyed listening to this session. So once again, thank you to Commander Mick Miller for joining us today. I've certainly learned a lot about the base, and I'm sure that you have as well. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe to the series on your favourite podcast streaming platform. More episodes are available that follow the journey of this year's trek, but for the moment, keep up those kilometres and bye for now. You've been listening to Bravery Trek Run Ashore. If you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, be sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all the latest episodes.